There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. Anytime's a good time for Skyline Chili Cheese Fries. After school, Chili Cheese Fries. Before the game, Chili Cheese Fries. With Coney's for lunch, Chili Cheese Fries. Nobody doesn't like Skyline. Feeling good, it's Skyline time. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt to talk about where the Bills go next. We'll have some options and some ideas on what this means. AFC Championship Weekend, NFC Championship Weekend, just a few days ago. Great games there, setting up for a for a pretty interesting Super Bowl here in two weeks. But Mike, first and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm doing a lot better ever since Cincinnati uh, lost to Kansas City in the in the conference championship game, uh, I know that's a weird statement to say after all these years of rooting against the Chiefs, but it really felt nice having someone really put Cincy back down to earth following all the, the crap that's come out of their mouths in recent weeks. And uh, they were getting a little bit too cocky for a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl. And uh, I'm glad that someone grounded them and uh, excited for this upcoming Super Bowl matchup, even though it doesn't have the Bills. I think Eagles-Chiefs is going to be a good one. Yeah, it was cathartic of sorts to see um, Cincinnati go down. It was interesting because I think that that game and that environment could have benefited the Bills. Um, Unfortunately, they didn't get to that game to that stage. But I think you saw a more grounded Cincinnati Bengals team that looked they struggled at times uh, throughout that game. Uh, Defense played pretty well for them for for the most part with a team with no receivers. Chiefs had no receivers. Um, Kelsey hurt Mahomes on one leg. Um, but Mahomes is still able to get it done. Um, offensively, they didn't look the same at all. That they they did coming off of uh, the Buffalo victory, but you know, Eli Apple uh, is going home to his rightful spot uh, in Cancun. Um, so that's that's great to see. Um, and a lot of, I mean, they just talked so much 
the entire week, the entire playoffs from Zach Taylor, even running his mouth about, you know, sending people home and making problems and not going by the script or whatever garbage he was saying and mixing, telling himself the top dogs or um, Eli Apple's shenanigans. So it's good to see them put them away. Now you can go ahead and root for the Eagles, root for the Chiefs, do whatever your heart desires as the NFL comes uh, to the Super Bowl with a Super Bowl halftime show from Rihanna um, uh, in just a few weeks. But, Mike, where do the Bills go from here? That's the question of the day. There is a lot of different ways you can go with this, but we're going to start in the top at the coaching staff. Um, you know, Sean McDermott, number two in in-game adjustments um, per a lot of advanced analytics. He makes the right calls on fourth down, on two-point convergence, timeouts, uh, delay of games. Um, so, you know, he takes a lot of heat. Um, one of the things that that still sticks to me to this day is uh, Pat Fryermuth, uh, the, the Steelers tight end. We talk about it sometimes, saying that if he picked one player to play for or coach to play for, it would be Sean McDermott. Uh, just totally unbiased, unprovoked. Uh, so that does mean something to me. Um, so... From there, Mike, what do you think about the perceived version that all they did was fire their safeties coach? Now, a lot of people are calling that a cop-out. Maybe he just is the one who had a below-average scores on the exit interviews. What is your opinion on the only move being the safeties, which, you know, obviously had Poyer and Hyde had nothing to do with Salgado, but the rest of the unit was pretty underwhelming. I have no issue with it at all. Zero issue. And I know I'm in the minority. Uh, a lot of Bills Mafia, most fans wanted change, and I get it. The Bills' best in the playoffs hasn't been good enough to win it all. But one error that a lot of fans and people in any situation in life uh, have a lot of times is just because it hasn't been good enough yet doesn't mean that it won't be good enough in the future. And I'm the type of person where I look at it as, you want to give yourself as many possible opportunities during a window of time to win a Super Bowl. So this year, obviously disappointing, falling short. But why sacrifice future windows for a move that may or may not work? So with the guys in place, we know that they're good enough to win the division. They're good enough to win games in the playoffs. Where have they fallen short? against Cincinnati and this year, and then Kansas City the two prior years. I could make an argument that any other team in football would have fallen short against Cincinnati or Kansas City in those opportunities. So it isn't necessarily how can – a lot of people are going to look at it as, well, the Bills' best isn't good enough to beat them. Well, we don't know if that's going to be the case in the future. And the issue with that mindset is everybody is looking at it as – Leslie Frazier screwed us over in the playoffs the last three years, and people are going to say Ken Dorsey's offense limited us in the playoffs against Cincinnati. And while those are true, you can't just make blatant statements, fire them, without offering how are you going to replace them? How are you going to get better? And the reason why I have a problem with people just saying fire Leslie Frazier, fire Ken Dorsey is people would say, well, hire Vic Fangio. First of all, you don't know if Vic Fangio would even want to come to Buffalo. Number two, mm -hmm. people that are saying Vic Fangio, how many of them actually know the scheme that he runs? Or are they just saying blanket names that they've heard expressed on television? Thirdly, the Bills have been drafting and developing players for the last six years to fit the scheme that McDermott and Leslie Frazier run. So if you fire Frazier, and you bring in someone that's going to run a different scheme. 
you're going to also have to make a bunch of roster moves to fit whatever that new scheme is. Also, do we think that just because they would get rid of Frazier, that McDermott would bring in a coach with a different philosophy than his defensively? Probably not, considering McDermott has been a defensive coach his entire career. He's not going to just hire someone that thinks differently than what he does. So a lot of this talk about do this, do that, do this to defense, not going to happen. I said it wasn't going to happen, and it's apparent nine days after the Bills season ended, it isn't going to happen. Secondly, if you were going to change this scheme, if you were going to do stuff, you would need the salary cap space or the draft capital to bring in those guys to jumpstart that. So this wasn't the offseason to do it regardless. You look on the offensive side of the ball. What do they always say about offensive coordinators? They struggle in their year one. They do. Ken Dorsey, there's a room for a lot of improvement. He definitely was, did not have the best year one. But if the Bills offense struggling under Ken Dorsey is still a top two metric unit in the NFL, that shows they still have a super high ceiling and that there is room for tweaks and improvement and to get this team better. So where do they go with the coaching staff? I don't think they go anywhere for the most part. I think they enter this offseason looking at themselves with a self-evaluation of saying, you know what? We have been doing things on defense the same way for six years, and we have gotten a ton of regular season success. We have been a top five, six defense. Five out of the six years, we were the number one defense in 2021. We were a top five metric defense this year. But every time we play an elite quarterback, we get exposed. What their job this offseason, and you can do this without replacing coaches, is why are we getting exposed by Patrick Mahomes? Why are we getting exposed by Joe Burrow and all these other elite quarterbacks? Their job this offseason is to come up with that answer. And it doesn't matter if that answer is shown during week seven of the regular season or week 14. They just need to know that they have that answer. So come playoff time, they can use it. And I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, uh, long-winded response, but a lot of people are conveniently forgetting that the Bills' answer this past offseason wasn't even on display during the playoffs. The whole way, the way you stop Joe Burrow, the way you stop Patrick Mahomes, is getting pressure with your front four defensively without having to blitz, without having to send guys and make your, your secondary vulnerable. The Bills didn't have Von Miller. The Bills didn't have Daquan Jones. Ed Oliver is not developed into the player that he was, that fans were hoping he would be. All while playing with, without Micah Hyde for the entire season, which hurt the secondary. A banged up Jordan Poyer, who was not himself the second half of the year. A banged up Matt Milano, who is still playing great despite an injury that should severely limit you. And then a Jordan Phillips, who had a torn labrum, who definitely was nowhere close to 100% on on Sunday when they lost to the Bengals. So I I bring that all up because the Bills' answer this offseason was, we are going to get pressure with our front four, and they're going to take care of stuff because we got Von Miller, Jones, and Rousseau, and Oliver. When some of those guys went down, that ruined their entire plan, and they didn't have an answer after that happened. So if you want to hold the Bills coaching staff accountable, ask them, why were you not coming up with other solutions once you knew the main emphasis of your defense was taken away? 
But Bills fans shouldn't be like, oh, we have no answers. They did have a good plan going into the season. It just got wrecked when certain players went down. It's fair enough. Let's go through the stats now just to kind of come bring it all, uh, you know, kind of bring it all home. Quarterbacks, opposing quarterbacks against the Bills are the last three playoff losses, 72% completion percentage, 315 passing yards, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, 35.7 points per game, 89 first downs they've allowed, an average um, that's five total punts from those three games. Um, it's quite frankly, just not been good enough. 36.6 points, 1,403 yards total, 467 yards per game. Uh, The defense has allowed in those three playoff losses, 2020, 2021, 2022. It's just just not good enough. There's no other way to put it. Now, to your point, Mike, if you let Leslie Frazier go, the most likely uh, replacement could be someone like John Butler. Uh, your your defensive backs coach who has had some good success developing players, pass game coordinator. Does anything change? Is it a little bit more aggressive? Possibly. But I wouldn't anticipate any big changes. Would a defensive coach then bring in Vic Fangio? I just didn't see it. Is there really a big upgrade with Steve Wilkes? I don't know. Um, so I think that, you know, you could be requesting for the coaching staff to be fired, but ultimately the defensive coordinator, I don't know what could have changed in those three playoff games with a different defensive coordinator in terms of underneath Sean McDermott, that is. So I think they'll make some corrections, some changes. They clearly designated there was an issue with the safety communication, the safety development, um, something within the safety room that needed to be corrected. And then offensively, I mean, Josh Allen basically pulled the ultimate trump card, Mike, and basically just said, I need to be better for, for my offensive coordinator. There needs to be a, a execution piece. Daquan Jones doubled down on that uh, this week as well, basically saying there's still a piece to the execution puzzle on our end as well. Um, it wasn't just the bad calls all the, all the entire game <clears throat> where the safety's in the right position on that Jamar Chase touchdown. Um, maybe, Poyer, maybe that, not. That, you can't tell me that's on coaching. Poyer snuck up on the wide receiver screen and let his guy get past him. And the players hold some responsibility in this and Bills fans have been using coaching as a scapegoat, but why not blame players for not stepping up? The the players had a horrendous showing, horrendous showing. And you can blame the coaches for not having them prepared properly, but I think you can blame almost everyone that played in that game for the failure that ensued. Yeah. We, we act like, the Bills' best players are incapable of failure. They were pretty horrendous all around. And I think they would admit it to you, and that's what Daquan Jones basically said in this tweet. He said, somebody called him out and said, fire the coaches. And Daquan Jones said, what are you talking about? I'm paraphrasing. We got to do our jobs. And this is where I have a real problem, Kev. If people want Leslie Frazier because fired because they just want a different scheme, different way of attacking things, That's fine. But don't say he sucks when the Bills metrics defensively show that they don't. That's ignorant. And I get it. They've failed in the playoffs and we've gotten to the Super Bowl or bust, period. But we keep saying one thing and then we contradict ourselves the next statement that we make. Everyone wants to talk about how Sean Payton is such a great coach right now. But you want to know something? Him and McDermott, the last six years that they've coached, Their win-loss record is within three games. 
They both want Peyton, I believe, has four division titles. Uh, Sean McDermott has three. Their win-loss record in the playoffs is similar to Peyton had a period with Drew Brees in his prime where he went seven and nine, three consecutive years and missed the playoffs. Brian Dable was an offensive coordinator that couldn't keep a job at his first three places because people thought he sucked. Did he suck or did his situations suck? Too often we look at failure and we say, this guy blew it. That guy blew it. We don't look deep enough into where the failure actually comes from and know what to attribute it to. Like everyone wants to say that it's the bills should be like Kansas city. Well, the, 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 the truth is Kansas city is an anomaly. What new England did is an outlier during all those years. Most great teams do not make it to the super bowl consistently. The best of the best do, but Kansas city is simply been a tier above the Bills and Cincinnati. In uh, eventually, you hope that the Bills can break through, but a lot of people just consistently think the Bills are just going to change what they're doing on defense. I don't see that happening, Kev. It's not going to happen regardless of who the defensive coordinator is. And when we start bringing up names like Vic Fangio, when we start saying Steve Wilkes, are we going to look at any of the issues that they've ever had? Steve Wilkes was uh, was a head coach that got fired after one year because he was considered a failure that season. Vic Fangio was a head coach in Denver that couldn't guide one of the best defenses to the playoffs. Leslie Frazier actually took the Minnesota Vikings to the playoffs one year and might have gotten fired a little bit prematurely. We've been talking about Leslie Frazier for the last two years, deserving head coaching opportunities throughout the NFL. And then because of a bad game in the playoffs, we're suddenly on fire. Leslie Frazier. You want to know what the bills allowed 17 points per game in 2021. And they were the number one defensive unit in the NFL this year. They allowed 17.9 points per game. And we're suddenly going to say that's deserving of getting fired. I get it. The, the playoffs are where you get judged now. But that was one horrible performance all around. And if everybody is just going to criticize Leslie Frazier and Ken Dorsey, well, then I reserve the right to also criticize Josh Allen. Because no one wants to ever give him any crap. And they'll know it. That kind of drives me nuts. Because we are a fan base that will give excuse after excuse after excuse to our star quarterback when he doesn't get it done. Did he get it done in the AFC Championship against Kansas City? No. The offense failed us in that game until they scored garbage time touchdowns. Did he get it done on Sunday against Cincinnati? No. Was the offensive line horrible? Yes. But Joe Burrow was sacked nine times in the game against the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round last year. And Cincinnati still found a way to win that game and get to Kansas City and then win the AFC Championship. Patrick Mahomes had to deal with one of the worst defenses in the NFL throughout the early part of his career. NP86, I'm sorry about the self-righteousness, but I'm tired of everyone in the fan base making excuses for our golden boy and just blaming all of it on the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator when the offensive line was putrid, we've had no good running game. We have only one wide receiver that's performing. 
We were missing most of our defensive line. That was the key players. Our coverage has been horrendous for a while. And we're just acting like because the coaches had no answers that they deserve to be fired, even though their long-term success over the last five years has been incredible. Sean McDermott is 62 and 35 in six years as a head coach, 10 and 6, 13 and 3, 11 and 6, 13 and 3. You know what I recommend anybody who wants Sean McDermott fired? Look at the history of the Buffalo Bills. Look at the history. Because outside of a short run in the 1960s and the Bills Super Bowl years, this is easily the greatest run of Bills football in their history. Look at Tony Dungy's record in the playoffs. Look at Sean Payton's record in the playoffs. Look at all the all-time great coaches in the playoffs. Many of them don't have the win-loss records that people think. One Super Bowl is the difference between being an all-time great and being a nobody. I, I, I know I'm coming across as condescending. I apologize. But I, the last two weeks have shown the elitist approach that Bills fans have gotten to where now they cannot accept anything short of a Super Bowl. We have said over and over again, Kev, all season, the best team in the NFL has a 20% chance of winning the Super Bowl before the year. The best team entering the playoffs has a 25% chance of winning the Super Bowl. This is basic math. If you have a 25% chance of winning the Super Bowl entering the playoffs, you have a 75% chance of not winning the Super Bowl. Instead of getting all flamed up because of one disappointing performance. Let's realize the odds are not in the, your favor. They have to make adjustments. They have to make changes. And I was extremely disappointed with how everything played out against Cincinnati. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together. And Skyline's always been part of our family time. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. But tearing things up, firing people, all that does is make you feel better about somebody else feeling pain for the result. Yeah, you got to place blame somewhere. Make the team better, unless you have an answer. None of us are throwing out answers. We just want people fired to see people fired. If we ran companies like that, if we ran businesses like that, we would have no society. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm just tired of it. I've been dealing with this for the last nine days. Yeah. Well, if you as you look at it a little bit deeper, as you dive into some of the statistics, uh, Andy Reid till 2019 went 12 and 14 in the playoffs. That's with Kansas City. That's before Mahomes. Um, you know, since getting Mahomes, obviously they've only lost twice to Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl and to Cincinnati last year, and went nine and two um, since since you know starting in uh, the year of tw- uh, 2019, 2020 when they won the Super Bowl. So, with all that being said. You know, prior to that, he was considered one of the biggest busts and flops ever. Now he's considered one of the best coaches ever. Uh, Just, you know, after coaching, I guess, 40 years, uh, he finally got that label 
Um, you know, he lost to the Giants in the division round, the championship round three times in a row, then lost to the soup in the Super Bowl, lost in a division round again, another championship, another wild two back to back wild card. Here, here's how he finally got fired in Philly, Mike. You ready? Oh, seven. He went eight and eight in oh, eight, oh, nine. Uh, oh, excuse me. Oh, eight. He lost in the championship round. Oh, nine. And in 2010, he lost back to back and one and done's in the wild card round. Goes eight and eight in 2011, still employed. Then finally goes four and 12 uh, and two back-to-back years missing the playoffs in 2012 and got let go. <clears throat> so that's finally like the Andy Reid and went in 583, which is worse than Sean McDermott's record at this point. So anyways, um, as you, you know, we kind of take a look at what the Bills can do specifically in this situation. I, I, I had a thought. Um, the building to free up cap space and, you know, our Greg Thompson, you know, has a solution. I come up with solutions all the time. Lots of restructures that can be done. Josh Allen. Um, there's, there's a couple right off the bat to get you some, some premier money. One more thing that they can work on doing Mike. And I brought this up in tweet and I'm still getting mentions on it days and days and days later and realized it wasn't a talking point yet was Ed Oliver and his 10 and a half million dollar guaranteed contract with zero cap hit. You may need to move that money some way or another, either extend him and keep him long-term, reduce that cap this year, or trade him, whether it's for an asset, player for player, one for one, or him for a certain draft choice. Mike, do you like that idea, trading Ed Oliver right now to help continue to build your team? Um, And if so, what would he fetch? I'm definitely more open to it than I was a week ago when you brought it up. I think that could be a potential uh, solution to some roster movement that's needed. I don't know if it's realistic at this time, but I definitely think all things are on the table for the Bills going forward. I don't know what it could fetch. I I know there's been some Hunter Renfro talk recently. Is he uh, good enough to to be a swap in that situation? I'm not sure, but I I definitely think the Bills should explore all possibilities. we, we've talked a little bit about what we think the Bills should do this offseason. And my my number one thing is attack offense. When you, when you look at defense in the NFL, it is very difficult to be consistently good on a year-to-year basis. You'll, you'll see more variance when you're looking at defensive rankings and stats, uh, when you look at historical trends and stuff like that. Offense is a lot more predictable and a lot easier to stay consistently at the top. I think what the Bills need is to basically look at it as we have some of our core defensive guys and we're going to just have to uh, just slot other people around them. We're not going to be able to spend big money throughout our defense. We've tried that. We've invested draft capital. It hasn't worked out. I would accept a lesser defense if I knew that the Bills offense come playoff time, we're going to score 30 points or 25 points every game. And what I think the, the, Outside of Tremaine, because I, I think Tremaine will get his money from the Bills, uh, I, I would say the, the draft is all about offense. First round, you need an offensive guard or you need a wide receiver. Whoever you don't draft in the first round, take that position in the second round and just find a way to get Josh as many weapons as possible. I think Singletary is going to be gone. Uh, the Bills will most likely bring in another running back to complement James Cook. And really, it's just find a way to, to keep filling – uh, those needs on the offensive side of the ball. I think, like you said, it, Poyer is going to be gone. Oliver is something to look into to see what you could fetch for him. 
Tremaine will probably, I think, come back, but who knows 100%. And then uh, Daquan Jones, you can do some things with his contract, see what you can do to um, help out the Bills salary cap situation. But this off, this whole offseason with our limited uh, ability to make changes needs to be geared on giving Josh Allen every possible um, weapon that he needs. We talked about it last offseason, Kevin. You and I both wanted them to address wide receiver early in the draft. We had our reasons. People yeah. laughed at us, Kev. People laughed at us. And – we talked about Odell Beckham. Obviously, his health wasn't there, but we both were in favor of bringing him on board. And people still laughed at us at that point. It's a, The Bills can't execute at the highest level consistently unless they have three prominent weapons for Josh to go to. And so adding another person is pivotal. Having Khalil Shakir step up this offseason to be a, a prominent slot person, critical. Ken Dorsey finding a way to uh, adjust his scheme and give Josh easier options is a must. Brian Dable, that was the best thing he did. He found a way to scheme up easy plays for Josh. They might not have been as high in the metrics some of the years, but they made big plays in big moments. It was not – this offense this year was difficult. It was – it was a struggle for them. They put up good numbers. They they scored a good amount of points per game. Allen ended up getting the stats he normally gets. But everything was a struggle. And next year, I would like them to make the adjustments to where they could be flowing at a, a better rate. I think they need to incorporate more of a short passing attack where they give Josh more slants and other easier options. We saw it a little bit earlier in the season, and then they went away from it. It can't just be down the field mid-range deep balls and short runs every time we we need to find a way to uh to make adjustments so while some people would say bring in a different offensive coordinator i'm going to trust that a guy like ken dorsey that's been around the nfl for a good amount of time that was a quarterback at one of the best college programs in the history of college football at the u has some some things up his sleeve this offseason watching tape watching some of the other better offenses in the league and can Figure things out because I, I truly do believe Dorsey has a big enough uh, knowledge of the game to where he can he can make adjustments and fix things, but definitely not the best year one for him overall. Yeah, <clears throat> some good points, some some good conversation going on. Bijan Robinson could be a generational running back. Um, we know how split the community is on running back in the first round. Yeah, another premier running back, probably better than Kenneth Walker, than Brees Hall, than it, uh, uh, than Travis Etienne. Uh, Bijan is definitely somebody that you, we all talk about taking taking pressure off of Josh, making him not Superman. Bijan Robinson's ridiculous. Um, you know, that's just something to consider. Um, the Bills will generally air vet on the vet side of of the free agent offensive line market. I think they still play in that. I still think that they do something like. You know, they have Tommy Doyle coming back. They re-sign Saffold on the bench. They they plug in a starting left guard on the market into the roster. They continue to develop Spencer Brown at $1.1 million. It's just too valuable to continue to develop him. Um, maybe draft a tackle late in the draft as well. Um, but sitting at 27, you might not have the option for a plug-and-play mauler. But what might you have the option at? A starting receiver like Jordan Addison, um, a Josh Downs. 
Um, Smith you know, so, uh, and Jigba from yeah, uh, Ohio yeah Jackson Smith and Jigba is definitely another name that could be up there as well. Could you make a trade, Mike Evans, Jerry Judy? Um, like you've already mentioned, you know, maybe an Oliver swap for call up Las Vegas and see what's going on there um, to see if, you know, they're interested in dealing with you for a slot receiver. So there's different ways that you can go. Um, you know, would you trade for a slot in Hunter Renfro? Would you go for a premier uh, boundary to, to, you, to, if you had the option trade at Oliver for Hunter Renfro in this hypothetical crazy world, straight up, would you do it? Yeah. I mean, you increase, you, you increase slot right then and there, you check it off. And I still think you go offense. You still continue to pound the pavement for offensive players. So I just, I just think that they've been looking for running back. I don't think Naeem Hines is a guarantee on the roster. He's not guaranteed to be on the roster. He making, he's making $5 million to 12th highest paid running back in the league. It's not, it doesn't work right now. So he needs to take two to three plus million dollars off of his contract to stay a bill. If he doesn't, more power to him. I don't blame him, I guess. Um, the Bills then are just sitting with Cook. Um, and people are just like, get UDFAs. I, I guess so. Like, yes, Brian Robinson's do exist later round draft choices. Um, but someone like B. John Robinson is such a premier talent. It's isn't this isn't just Clyde Edwards, Alaire, sorry, Chiefs fans. It's not. It's a premier running back a gener in the generational form. So that could help. We saw but, what Breesaw was doing to the Jets last year before he I got mean, we, you and I were big proponents of Brees. We talked him up. A lot of people didn't even think he was worth a, a first, second-round pick. And we were discussing how when back when running backs were more valuable, that a guy like Brees Hall would have been a top-ten pick. And I think we saw what a great running back can do to, for an offense yep. when in the right situation. I'm not a running back in the first round guy unless it is the right player in the right the right fit. But Brees Hall, when he was playing, that Jets offense was capable of moving the ball, and they had some success. The moment Brees Hall went out, the Jets were not the same the rest of the year. So uh, if if you have a situation, like you said, where the, the wideouts that you would consider in the first round are taken and you don't have mm -hmm. that guy that would slot into a starting O guard or starting right tackle, then you would have to consider a guy like uh, Vijan Robinson because you know you're getting that that impact player right away. If it's a situation, though, where you do have a stud wide out or a stud offensive line, I think you take those over the running back in that scenario. But right now, like we said, Kev, I don't care what the weapon is. When I'm talking about offensive weapon, it could be the best guard. It could be the best wide receiver, the best running back, just surround Josh Allen with playmakers that will make his life easier. And a playmaker can be a guy that gets yards after the catch or makes the jump ball touchdown, or it can be the guy that just prevents the defensive tackle from getting to you and getting in your face. Yeah. I, I'm going to be so pro B. John Robinson that it's, it's not even funny. That same offensive line, that the, the patchwork, you know, Joe Mixon offensive line last week ran for a bunch of yards. Like, I think you can make your offensive line better uh, with a good running back. You can make your quarterback better. You can't, you can't key in on him as much. You know, you can still do those things with a good offensive line. You can still play him a certain way. You still don't have to respect the run. Um, I do believe that the Bills will upgrade this offensive line. There's some great offensive lineman I like in this draft. I don't think it needs to come at the expense of 27 overall. I think you're looking at, you know, Andrew Voorhees. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, I've had my eyes on a little bit. Osiris Torrance, will he be a, uh, there or will he go earlier? Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. Ricky Stromwell from Arkansas. Um, 
so there's Stromberg, excuse me. So there's definitely some name Luke Haggard from Indiana. Um, you know, so there's definitely some names there of players that, you know, down at the, you know, down that we could be watching in the senior bowl region, you know, so I do want to plug, we have a live video going at 9 PM here tonight. Greg and the crew will be there giving you update from day one from the senior bowl down in Alabama. So make sure you check that out here going live in uh, just under 90 minutes. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. Um, so it'll be a senior bowl recap of everything going on uh, down there in Mobile, Alabama. So um, definitely look out for that. We'll definitely continue this chat a little bit more based on what the guys are seeing on foot. Uh, Eric, Greg, um, and, and others are down there live from, from, from Alabama. So make sure you uh, tune into that here shortly, but I just believe there's so much to be done on the offensive side of the ball. And it starts with a slot receiver, a potential wide receiver too, a few offensive linemen and a running back, Mike. So, yeah. And I, I agree. I think that's, those are the positions that they're definitely going to address this offseason. You're going to see the line addressed in some, some fashion. You're going to see running back address, whether that means keeping Singletary or letting him go and replacing him with someone else. Wide receiver is going to be looked at. So that's where they're going to go heavy this offseason. Do they look at a guy like Paris Campbell in free agency? Do they try to add uh, a veteran um, that can help them out? They are definitely limited with the cap space, but offense, offense, offense. I'd rather lose going down swinging than invest heavily in a defense that even with those investments has fallen short in the big moments. I do want to address this question quick from uh, Capico uh, 22 pre-snap. Why were the players 15 yards away from the wide receivers? Why not make Burrow throw it deep over your head in the snow and prove it once for all? Um, I, I was wondering the same thing during the game cab, but uh, one of our um, buddies at cover one actually pointed out, there is some analytic sense to why you would have off coverage. Uh, traditionally when you have the off coverage, you could actually, you force throws, that are short of um, where the line of gain is. And the point is you got to make a tackle. You you can still catch up to them. Even though you're not at the line, you can still get to them where they are. Now, situationally, I think you, me, Eric, most of the cover one guys, we all agree, we would have liked to see more press. We would have liked to see them more up on uh, their hands on uh, these Bengals wide receivers. But the way the Bills do things, they are very much by the numbers. There is some analytical sense to what, they were doing during the game. I just don't think it um, was the best strategy when you factor how good the Bengals wide receivers are and how difficult they are to take down after the catch. And there's putting the Bills defenders in some tough situations where they had to make tackles where one-on-one -on -one in the snow, slippery conditions, probably not the smartest uh, situation, but it is what it is. And hopefully they live and learn. Well said. Um, and yeah, but the conditions just made that look a lot worse because you can't break on it. Ideally you come after him, you make him step up, you make him maybe tip the ball, come up and intercept it. There are different looks there. However, it just looked like a slog. It just looked like they were playing in mud and stuck in mud the entire game. Yeah. The offensive line looked poor. Um, the defense just couldn't, it does the, that conditions and we could have offensive linemen on this show. It dictates the offensive linemen. All right. That's why their third string offensive linemen looked so good. Yes, the D-line didn't get there, but a lot of that had to do with the benefit. They got a gift from, from God on to boost their offensive line. The second it started pouring snow, um, their offensive line got the boost. The Bills' defense didn't play well. 
Um, they did okay at, in stretches. They only held their, their premier three receivers to 120 total yards between them. They played okay. Like, sure, you would have liked to not have them to dump 27. Ideally, 20 to 24 was probably more ideal. You weren't going to win that game 16 to 13. Um, so, like, to me, the defense wasn't great. It, it was okay, particularly factoring in the injuries and the weather elements. The excuses for me are that the fact that the offense was terrible, like they were putting the defense back on the field in, in these conditions. They didn't, they, they punted consistently. They were, they were aggressive at all in terms of going for it. They were going deep the entire game in the snow, um, you know, which, which is funny, Mike, that I wanted to bring up that Cincinnati had an element of Kansas city to go deep a lot. Um, and they get a double coverage throw to Jamar chase that's completed. Um, and they were, you know, a, a double cover to T Higgins uh, jumps over everybody. So like, sure, those receivers are better than, I guess, than Stefan Diggs um, and uh, the Stefan Diggs throw in the end zone that he just missed uh, just was to the right of him. But ultimately, it wasn't good considering the weather elements. All of it benefited the Bengals. And it just it just was a weird, wacky day. I do think in a clean environment on a clean day in Atlanta, Georgia, them, uh, the Bills and the, and the Chiefs would have played a premier football game with a little bit more offense than we saw this past weekend. So um, the Bills are going to need to sacrifice defense. So we're sitting here talking about Les firing Leslie Frazier. We're sitting here talking about what defense are we going to move or make changes on. The defense is going to get worse. That, that, the that's defense is going to get worse. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because what you and I are basically saying is we will accept having a mediocre middle-of-the-line defense if it means that our offense will be unstoppable when it matters, that's why the Chiefs can do what they do. And if we're really looking at why the Chiefs are able to be, because I, I hear a lot of people say, well, the Bills defense has better players than the Chiefs. The Bills defense is better than the Chiefs. How come they're able to slow down Joe Burrow and the Bills defense is not able to? It, it comes down to where those key players are. So, when the Chiefs have Chris Jones as an, a D tackle on their team, and he's going up against a D an offensive line that has only two regular starters in the game, he is going to tear them apart. What is the one thing that gets Burrow off his mark? It's when he gets pressured. And a guy like Chris Jones having Frank Clark, that interior pressure, the constant hands in his face. That's what messes him up. The Bills might have a better overall defense. They might have more key, more big names on their defense. They do. But they didn't have the players to attack the Bengals' vulnerabilities. So, yes, the Bills have Trey White. Yes, they have Milano, Edmonds, Poyer. They didn't have the guys in their front four to take advantage of the Bengals' weakness. The Chiefs did. That offensive line was destroyed by the Chiefs, and a lot of it is because they had two game wreckers on their defensive line. And we can talk about, well, why didn't the Bills blitz more? A lot of times when the Bills blitz against a quarterback like uh, Joe Burrow, that's when they get exposed and because it, the blitzes weren't even getting to Joe Burrow anyway. So uh, a lot of people will bring up, well, they've invested all these draft picks uh, in the first and second round in D-line, and that is a, a, a big point against Brandon Bean in recent years. The one thing I will counter to that, though, and 
and development is definitely important, but the Bills... Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Never invested a top 25 pick in those defensive linemen. Greg Rousseau was in the late 20s. And he's had a good career so far. He had close, I think he ended up with close to nine sacks this year. AJ Apineza was a pick in the 50s. He was a guy that was basically a power edge in, in college. He used his power. A guy like that is not going to translate to be a sack monster in the NFL. They even said when he was drafted, this is not a guy that you're going to be expecting double-digit sacks from in the NFL. A boogie basham was a late second round pick coming out of Wake Forest, who was basically taken because he was considered the best player available on the board. Boogie Basham wasn't considered one of those double-digit projected NFL sack guys either. You have Shaq Lawson on your uh, playing games um, because Von Miller is out, and Shaq Lawson is not really much of a pass rusher. He's a he's an edge, contained, stop-the-run guy. So where, where the issue is with the Bills' defensive line when Von is out is – Rousseau cleans up plays. Vaughn gets the pressure. Someone else gets the pressure. Quarterback steps up in the pocket. Then Rousseau takes him down. Rousseau's not going to get to the quarterback in two and a half seconds and take him down. He's a cleaner upper. Vaughn was the one guy on the defensive line that had that speed, that burst, that that bend to get to the quarterback. The other guys like to collapse the, the pocket. And when they weren't able to do that, when they were missing their key guys, it, it just made life difficult for them. And I'm not making excuses, but this is what happens. This is why it's hard to be consistently good in the NFL. Because once you start winning at a high level and you start picking at the bottom of the first round, you're not getting, you're not replacing your holes with A-listers. You're not putting the top of the top in uh, to fill in your holes when you lose a guy. You're putting not projects, but guys that you hope will translate with the skill set. Everybody always talks about when the Bills pass on a player in the draft and the guy two plays later becomes a star. Well, they could have had A.J. Brown. They could have had Russell Wilson back in the day. They could have had – well, the, when you get past, like, pick 40, pick 50, you're talking about projections and development. Nothing is a certainty. So – You're talking about Creed Humphrey at center when the Bills had a center. Like – I don't know what, you t- what to tell you. You're hoping these guys turn into something. So – it gets a lot more difficult in that stage. And what's happening right now with the Bills is they have a limited cap situation. They don't have good draft picks overall. And essentially what they're going to have to do in the next however many years they have Josh Allen as their quarterback is they're going to have to find a way to develop better and 
take advantage when they have their opportunities. I remember for a decade plus watching the Indianapolis Colts thinking, God, these guys are great. They're starting every year, 8-0, 9-0. Why are they not winning the Super Bowl? Well, they had they had New England in their way. And if the answer was just fire Tony Dungy or fire their offensive coordinator, change the quarterback or change this on defense, would it have helped them more? No, like they got rid of Jim Mora once, and obviously Dungy helped them eventually. But sometimes the patient approach of playing the long run will get you more opportunities at actually winning one than trying to go after instant results. We all want instant results it, in everything in life. Kev, I was a sports anchor for three years and a news reporter for a year, and I was moving up job to job to job. I had three good jobs in a period of four years, and I thought, you know what? I'm getting inter- interviews in top 50 markets, top 60 markets. Why am I going to work in Fort Wayne, Indiana anymore? What do I do? I leave my job. All those interviews I had, they didn't turn into anything. I ended up taking a news reporter job and a year and a half la- year year and a half later, I quit the job and I started a new life back home in Buffalo and here I am on a podcast. Why did I end up here? Because I was impatient. I got too high on myself. I thought that I deserved more quicker than what I got and I ended up sacrificing my entire career because I was not patient enough. We all want the results. Everybody wants the Bills to win a Super Bowl. I just think the patient approach has a better chance of eventually resulting in one than demanding that right away. It sucks. Super Bowl favorites, they, they didn't do it. But if you look at the history of how many Super Bowl favorites entering a season have actually won a Super Bowl, it's something like six to eight out of like over 50 have actually won. So – that that puts things in perspective. Yeah, so the Bills finished obviously the year fourth DVOA defense. Kansas City was seventeenth. The Bills played much better defense the entire season, went thirteen and three on multiple game winning streaks multiple times, um, and just didn't come up in the weather and the snow with Dean Marlowe in the game, your fourth safety, who then goes out, <clears throat> by the way, and now you're playing Jaquan Johnson, Cam Lewis is in the game. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just not good. Uh, you were missing Daquan Jones in the snow in a game where Joe Mixon finally plays okay because that's all they were doing is running for a majority of it. Um, and you're missing him and Von Miller. You're missing your all pro. The, the team plays differently with Poyer and Hyde. You can take more press man risks when you have a premier safety tandem, not a guy that was traded who had already gotten hell married earlier this year by PJ Walker. Um, so and Cam Lewis, I guess, by at least by a really good play by Justin Jefferson, one of the best ever. But those are the safeties that you have on your roster right now. So the Bills thought of it conservatively against three of the best receivers in the league, and it failed. Ultimately, it failed because the offense was bad um, as well. So let's let's increase offense and let's do whatever we can to make offense. Is there a development issue? So the one topic I had remaining for today, Mike, is there a development issue? So, that's possible. I is think it, that's possible. Is it so? I've had people blame Bean and then blame McDermott and his staff. Is it a development issue or is the team getting, or do we have to talk more about Brandon Bean and his stud drafts now turning average, now turning right around expectation per some statistics saying that he's doing what he's supposed to do with his late picks now. It's a combo, Kev, as in everything. It, the performance against Cincy wasn't just the coaching. It was also the players. 
Now, if you want to go, why aren't there better players? It's a combination of the drafting. It's the combination of free agency. And it's the combination of the coaches not developing or putting the players in the right situation. I do want to address one thing quick. I know some of you guys were commenting. You're tired of being patient. Um, you've been a fan for 50 years. I get it. But it's kind of like the same thing with the Sabres when they did this recent um, rebuild without Jack Eichel. The drought sucked at 10 years. But keeping Jack Eichel in the picture wasn't going to help the Sabres be any better. So they realized they had to rebuild even though fans weren't going to be happy about it. And since they made those moves, the Sabres have gotten dramatically better. Sometimes, even though I, I get it, if you've been a fan for 56 years, it's frustrating to hear that. But sometimes you need that patience. And I know people are going to talk about Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. Well, you know what the truth about Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts? Joe Burrow was just better quicker than Josh Allen was. Joe Burrow was a stud starting his second year in the league. Josh Allen didn't get to that point until his third year, and the defense wasn't good enough that year to win in the AFC Championship game. And two years later, we're out of the rookie contract. Jalen Hurts has all five linemen on his team going to the Pro Bowl. He has A.J. Brown. He has Devontae Smith. He has a defense that has four players that have double-digit sacks. They have 70 sacks on the regular season. Sanders and Gainwell. So Jalen Hurts is surrounded by an all-star team. Joe Burrow is playing like Peyton Manning and starting his second, third year in the league. The Bills didn't take advantage of the rookie window. The reason why you need to be patient now is because you don't have the cap and you don't have the draft capital or the ability to attack free agency to where you can get quick answers and go over the top with those moves. Von Miller was the last digit, the last chance swing to try to make it in this window. Now the Bills win Super Bowls by being smart going forward. I understand that patience isn't what people want to hear, but there's no reason why the Bills can't win a Super Bowl in any of the next five, 10 years. Uh, doesn't mean they will, but all that matters is that you get hot at the right time and you win three or four games required to win the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Brady's first year, that team sucked half the regular season, more than half the regular season. They got hot when it mattered. They took it to the Super Bowl. L.A. Rams won it last year. They were not an amazing team by any stretch of the imagination. The Bills had an eight-game winning streak before the Cincinnati loss. I think that's important to note out, Kev. Did you did you realize that? Did you realize they had an eight-game winning streak? Because I feel like the whole fan base refuses to acknowledge that prior to their one loss that wasn't close this year, they had an eight-game winning streak. So You lost by a total of eight points all season. Yeah, and the, lost three games by a total of eight points. So um, – we have to acknowledge that. Mike, can we like, can we not like, acknowledge that they went three and five last year in the middle of the season to the lose the seven one and, and two seed? Yeah. The Bills were seven and six. They went three and five. Yeah. yeah, they were seven and six. Thirteen games into last season, but yet last season was probably their best chance of winning a Super Bowl because they got hot at the right time. So the important thing I think for us to to maybe acknowledge going forward isn't that the bills need to make a major change to their offense their defense their special teams it's that they need to they need to peak at the right time going forward this is a team that i feel like peaks to start seasons and then sometimes they go in a little peak in the the second late tier uh, of, of the season and all of these three runs actually going back to 2019 since 2019 they've gotten out to hot starts every year and what happens about after week four, week five? Then they go through struggles for a little bit. And, and then they, they get back on track, but they never really regain the dominance. 
Um, we need to find a way to where this team is at their hot spot at the end of December, not September, not early October, but the end of December and January. They have not been able to do that outside of last year. And then obviously 13 seconds. But the, the last thing I really want to talk about this season, because we, we've been hard on them. They went 14 and four this year. And I, we know they need to be better in the playoffs, but those three losses by eight points, you can point to a mistake that Josh Allen made in every one of those games. So you're telling me if you just clean up that one mistake each game, they would have had a chance to have a perfect record this year. Obviously it wasn't going to happen, but say the two of those games go differently and they go 16 and one or 15 and one the regular season. Are we talking about firing anybody at this point? Probably not because it would have sound, it would sound ridiculous even after a tough playoff loss to fire anybody after a 16 and one regular season. And Greg and Greg has brought it up in our cover one group chats. Imagine how differently we're talking about this season had Josh not, not fumbled the ball, the snap against Minnesota and they move forward and they finished that game. They finished that game against Minnesota in the DeMar Hamlin situation. Even if it does happen, I'm assuming it doesn't happen. The bills could have gotten crushed by Cincinnati. They still would have had the one seed wrapped up with the one seed wrapped up. They're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in the second round. Let's acknowledge, even though the Bills played poor, they're probably getting past the Jacksonville Jaguars. So in that scenario, we're talking about the Bills hosting the AFC Championship against the Chiefs in Buffalo. Even if the Bills lost against the Chiefs, are, are we assuming the Bills would have gotten blown out? Probably not, because the Chiefs, we, we saw their injury situation on Sunday. Bad. They, they're bad. horrible. So even if the Bills would have lost the game, probably a close game. That slip against Minnesota changed history. It changed the direction of the entire season. This team gets that one seed. We are talking completely differently about this squad. And I know what happened is what happened. But narratives are made because of recency bias. And Bruce uh, Bruce uh, Exclusive on Twitter will we'll, we'll always kind of point that out. And a lot of people give him crap for it uh, because we're all emotional. But when you remove yourself from the emotions and you can look at it from a more uh, analytical way, from a more this is what things are, this is what they aren't, I, I think it's easier to accept they're not as far away as what many think. And when you go into next season, I think we're going to see the LA Chargers be much improved in the, the AFC West, which will give Kansas City more trouble going forward. The AFC North is going to have some talent with Deshaun Watson with Lamar most likely coming back to Baltimore. It's not going to be cakewalk for Cincinnati anymore. The AFC South is not anything special. It wasn't with Tyler Hunt. There, there is, we, we keep talking about how it's going to be Kansas City and Cincinnati forever. The Bills still have one of the easier divisions out of that group. I know Miami is threatening. I know New England's not a gimme and that the Jets have a great defense. But there's still a lot of room for the Bills to keep being a force going forward. I, I'm hearing a lot of people giving, giving up on this team. And I guess my perspective is I still don't see how this team is any worse than 12 and five next year. I still see this team as a contender. I still see this team as a, uh, a franchise that should be going into every season, expecting to have a chance at winning a Super Bowl. And I don't think most of the, the nation has changed their view on that. You look at Vegas, they are, they still have the bills as one of the top three favorites for next year. So I know we got burned by Vegas this year, but 
sometimes it's good to take a step back and look at what other people are saying about your team. And most of the outsiders, most of my friends from across the country, they still think the Bills are pretty damn good. So when I hear that, I tell myself, make the tweaks you need, make the offseason adjustments that you can, and go into next year and prove everybody wrong, prove the doubters wrong. And maybe some of that pressure removed from them could actually be a good thing heading into the season. One thing our Hansel Uberhansen from Cover One tweeted um, the expectations from Brandon Bean, his expected rank and his draft class. The Bills finished uh, number three in 2018. They are expected 21st based on their picks. Number eight draft class in 2019. They were expected number nine. In 2020, 18th, uh, they finished 2020, uh, uh, 22nd expectation in 2020. In 2021, 13th best draft class expectation was they finished 30th based on their picks that year. And last year, 25th was the expectation based on their draft capital and where they were picking and where they finished. And they did exceed that 21st. So he is hitting on his draft picks. Um, so to that does that does show that there could be some – the roster is pretty good, but there definitely needs to be some development from the rookies that we didn't see. And a weird year where they decided not to play Khalil Shakir, which is an interesting decision. James Cook late in the year. Um they, you know, obviously had their their rotation with Kyrie Elam. Terrell Bernard didn't really uh, play. I know many people are pretty upset about that pick. We are a little bit foiled um, here uh, for a third round pick as well. To see the Matt Ariza situation, um, you know, Benford's in and out, you know, with injuries. Um, and Tenuta was cut. So ultimately, yes, there is some thing to be said for last year's draft wasn't the best, but there is still some talented players. I think Kyrie Elam's a day one starter. I think James Cook's your day one running back right now. Kalish Shakir, you're your day one st- uh, slot. It could be a two-year removed draft um, to be some... That's some important. Studs. People um, want instant results. M- McDermott and Bean have shown they you have to earn your opportunity on this roster. With the veterans that they have, they don't want to just give away playing time unless you show that you deserve it. And Yes, fans are going to be aggravated by that, but that's also part of the culture that they built. You earn your time on the field. And well, Shakir is going to have a whole offseason with Josh Allen, which he didn't have. He was playing with Case Keenum. He didn't know, like, yes, he was going to make the roster, but, you know, now he's going to get an entire offseason as a pretty prominent part of the Bills' offense. Yeah. And those offseasons, those chilling, those playing video games, whatever they play, that's important to Josh. I mean, I, you and I were both hiring Khalil Shakir, and I think he showed flashes that he can be Especially a in the playoffs. player. And I, I expect him to be uh, play a pivotal role on this team in the future, maybe as early as next year. I see some comments about the schedule and how it's a monster next year. Guys, you can't look at the schedule in February and be worried about it. Things never play out the way it looks, even if it is a monster. You got to remember the Bills have this Josh year was too. This year was too. The schedule is always a monster when they went thirteen and three. And Number one strength of schedule. The Bills have Josh Allen. Just keep telling if if you're concerned about the future of the Bills, if you're concerned about the rest of the AFC East and where the Bills currently stand, and you're starting to be scared about the future, just tell yourself repeatedly in your head, maybe a hundred times, repeat it. The Bills have Josh Allen as their starting quarterback. If you say that enough times in your head, in a row, you will eventually regain that calm emotional state to where you realize the Bills will still be good. They will be okay, and it's not time to panic. Because I know people are starting to mention the Miami Dolphins because they gave a close game to the Bills in the playoffs, and the Jets, 
and New England. And I saw even a comment that the AFC West, the AFC East is more difficult than the West and the North. I that's a little naive. Like I hate to say it, but the, the Jets don't have a quarterback. The Patriots don't have a quarterback. Miami has a good quarterback that honestly most of Bill's mafia told me for the last year sucked. And then after a year of me saying that he didn't suck, now we're starting to appreciate him. But an often injured quarterback that is a concussion or two from missing serious time uh, every time. So uh, there's no point looking at the rest of the AFC, but there are more difficult divisions out there than what the Bills have faced. When you're talking about the Patriots with Mac Jones, the Jets with Wilson or whoever they end up getting, like, so what? They get Aaron Rodgers. Okay, nice. Maybe they can go 10-7 and and squeak in the playoffs. I'm just not going to get concerned over that right now. Josh Allen is a stud. We, we all say this, Kev. It's a quarterback-driven league. The top quarterbacks are the, the players that, on the teams that win the most. The Bills have 37 wins in the regular season in the last three years. Josh Allen ain't going nowhere. So even when he was playing hero ball this year with no weapons, he was still able to have the number two metric offense. They were able to win 13 games. Where's that going to go? How's that going to get worse? So even if he takes a regression, what's a regression from this year? He turned the ball over six or seven times in the red zone this year. Like, if anything, I'm thinking he can actually improve his numbers because I don't know how Josh can really play much worse in certain critical situations than he did this year. Josh did not have an unbelievable season by any stretch of the imagination. By his standards, compared to most normal people, great year. But Josh had turnover issues all year. He was loose with the ball. He made a lot of poor turnovers in the red zone, and he struggled at times. If he can clean that up, this offense actually has room for improvement next year. And so I'm, I'm not going to look at any other team in the league outside of Kansas City, Cincinnati. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The The Eagles... And then possibly San Francisco, depending on what they do with their quarterback situation. I'm not going to look at any other team besides those four and say the Bills don't have a chance against them. Because besides those four teams, I know the Bills will have either the quarterback advantage or the talent advantage. So on days they don't have the the talent advantage, they'll get it done with Josh. So I, I just kept maybe I'm more calm. Maybe I'm more relaxed than most people. I'm, I'm just not in a, a freak-out mood about this team. I, I still believe the Bills are in a position to be a great team going forward. I, I, I feel like if 
podcast existed, if this live streaming has existed in the early 90s, we would have destroyed the Bills Super Bowl teams before they got to four in a row. They, I don't, I don't, we would have been calling for uh, half the team to be gone because they got destroyed by Washington in the Super Bowl. And then after the third Super Bowl, my God, Jim Kelly might not have been the quarterback anymore. After Thurman Thomas lost his helmet, Thurman Thomas would have been probably cut on the scene. Uh, we we got to be calm sometimes. And I don't want to feel like I'm lecturing people because I, I know I'm a dick. Like, I'll just admit it. Like, I'm a condescending prick at times. And I'm not trying to be that way. But I just think it's important for us to take a breath and realize we have that franchise guy. He's 26 years old. He's not going anywhere. Right. Well, I think the, the funny part, too, is, yes, we all like to say the analytics don't matter. The top six teams were the top six remaining teams Sunday before kickoff of the Bills game last week. So the top six DVOA teams were the top six teams remaining. The two and the four ended up going on to the uh, Super Bowl. So DVOA does matter. It's just unfortunately at best 20% odds to make the Super Bowl at any given time. And that's on the good end. The strength of schedule is a, isn't really a thing. The home schedule is very easy. They need to get it done there and still continue to, to win on the road um, and get it done. So to me, they are always going to be in the lead in games. And I believe truly that the bills are going to go out and address all the offensive holes. Dorsey's going to say, Hey, I need a right tackle. I need a left guard. I need a running back and I need a receiver. I think Bean goes and gets it done. Um, and ultimately basically tell Sean, like, Hey, you're a defensive coach. You got to keep your entire staff this year. We need the, your best work this year on defense because of where you're at um, with the defensive roster. So I think there's a chance to see the best version of what the bills are able to do with Micah Hyde, Von Miller, both supposed to be ready by training camp coming back. Um, you know, it's going to be a little bit different. Vaughn's is already in, in a really good spot and getting them back definitely for September would be a big boost to this defense alone. And then maybe the biggest move there is whatever they can get done with Tremaine Edmonds, if they can uh, make that work and still do offense. Do you think they get them done? I think it puts a strain on Kevin's offensive plan. I think it does. I think $20 million is challenge with the first year being less, obviously, uh, of getting the offensive players we're talking about. That's still putting assets, money, time, value, interest into defense still. Yeah, I um, feel like that's going to be a freak out either way, regardless of what happens. If yeah, we're in a lose-lose. We're in a lose-lose. Yeah, if the Bills resign Tremaine, people are going to just be flabbergasted by how much money he's getting because he's going to get like a six-year, $90 million deal, a five-year, $80 million deal, something outrageous. And fans are going to be like, what? And if they don't resign him, people are going to be freaking out about letting the linebacker that they traded up in the first round to get walk after five seasons at the age of 25 after putting all that time with him. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to be, but they need that. They, they need that 18, whatever it's going to be on the cap called 14 after they do some finagling on the cap. They need that. So that's, that's, that's the challenge as much as Tremaine Adams is an easy, like the must must resign. Don't resign anyone else. If you don't have to, um, they need that money to better the positions that we just spent the entire show and off season continuing to talk about. Otherwise there is so much pressure on pick 27 to get offense. And you can't be sitting there 27 picks in hoping for the, a number two receiver. Um, it just doesn't, I don't know how this is all going to play out. 
I still think they need to do anything they can to make this running game better and give the team a true dual threat ability. Um, you know, like we saw with Pacheco uh, at times down the stretch. Could it be a Bijan Robinson? Is it James Cook? We'll have to see. Is it a veteran running back? They're all on the market. Every single one of them, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, they're all on the market as we, you know, obviously the top end guys, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Could they trade for somebody that might be Derrick Henry's on a one-year deal? Whatever it might be, there are names to help this roster out uh, offensively. And at 27, you're very vulnerable to be sitting there hoping that Bijan Robinson falls, Jordan Addison falls, Osiris Torrance falls. You're in a vulnerable spot. You don't know what you can do with that position. You had just made it to the division round again. You need to increase this roster. And the flexibility might come from trading at Oliver and from either getting Tremaine on a, on a deal that's very cheap this year and then expensive later on or having to let him walk. The Bills have some tough decisions and they need to focus on offense. And that is the future going forward for the Buffalo Bills. Increase that offense. Give them the weapons that the Bengals, the Niners, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess the Chiefs ended up losing them all in the game, anyways. Um, and the Eagles have. Yeah, no, I agree, Kev. And the, one of the last things I want to throw out at you: there was a good stretch. I, I forget the time frame. I think it was 17 years, maybe, from uh, Brady's second Super Bowl up until 2019, where the only quarterbacks outside Joe Flacco uh, in his outlier year that went to a Super Bowl in the AFC were Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger went to three. He won the two. Uh, Manning went to four. He won two. Then Brady obviously uh, won six in New England. I think the reason I have this patient approach long-term with the Bills is that, unfortunately, we're in the same league as the Kansas City Chiefs, and now I believe, obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals. And Burrow and Mahomes just so happened to be around the same age as Josh Allen. History is repeating itself, in my opinion, with these three guys. I don't think it's going to be easy for the Bills at all in the next 10 years to, to get to a Super Bowl. And my thought process with this was the years when Ben Roethlisberger made it in, was he better than Tom Brady? Was he better than Peyton Manning? No, his team just, that was their year. Same with the Broncos when they, they won it and uh, the Colts when they won it. They had a, it took them a great performance at home against the Patriots to finally get to uh, the Super Bowl and then beat the Bears. My approach is we, we talk about how the Bills should attack the offseason. We talk, well, get this running back, get this wide receiver, fire this coach, fire that coach. Change your scheme. Uh, change what you're doing with the linebackers. or Your defensive line needs to get more pressure. There's really one simple solution, like how do the Bills break through? How do they finally get to the Super Bowl? And how do they finally win one? And that's when we get to mid-January going forward, we just need Josh Allen to play like the best quarterback in the NFL. And that's honestly the only thing that makes a difference. The Bills could make every right move in free agency, in the draft, development-wise. They could be 17-0. But if they play Cincinnati in the, the second round or they play the Chiefs in the second round, 
and Josh Allen has a garbage game and Pat Mahomes goes off, they're going to lose. And none of it will matter about what the Bills did defensively in the offseason or what blitz Leslie Frazier called on third down or what stupid run play Dorsey ran on third and three or anything like that. It's all going to come down to did Josh Allen play like an MVP quarterback in the most important moment? That's why last year haunts me because he had the game against the Patriots. He had the game against the Chiefs. And I will agree in that moment, 13 seconds, the coaching let down the team. Execution did too, but the coaching let down the team. But going forward, I'm not even worried. Like, what are they going to do? It, it comes down to Josh. Like, I know that's an over, oversimplification, but everybody's going to freak out about this move, that move, whatever move. You know the you know the deeper numbers, Kev. How much does a random defensive player add to war when wins above a replacement? Like 0.3 of a game. If you go through a defensive lineup and you go through all the starters, each individual player has a minimal impact on a team's overall win-loss record throughout a season. Correct? Based on projections especially in football <clears throat> that's why so, war is war is more useful in like say baseball you know so so when you look at it what's the one person that has a huge impact on that that's not proportional to the rest of the roster it's your quarterback we we can debate everything we can argue we can call each other names in the end if the bills are going to win a super bowl in the next decade it is up to Josh Allen playing like the best quarterback in football. If he does it, this team will have a chance to win. If Josh doesn't do it, 10 years from now, we will be looking back. We will not be blaming the defensive coordinator. We will not be blaming the, the special teams coordinator or the offensive coordinator. We will be blaming Josh Allen. So, I know, like I said, oversimplification, but the reason I'm calm is because I know Josh is a top three quarterback, and I trust that in this next decade, he will have at least one postseason where it all comes together and he gets that Lombardi. But if he doesn't, that's going to be the situation. And they're going to go through different coaching staffs on the offense and the defense throughout the years. He eventually just has to get it done. Yeah. Simple as that. To your point, even the best free, like, so in baseball, over 162 games, Aaron Judge had won the best seasons in baseball history. 10 war, 10 games he affected. Um, that's good for one NFL game, roughly. And that's one of the best seasons by a baseball player ever, over extrapolated over 162 games. So, yes, there is really no, um, there's really no player that's going to set you over. And like you mentioned, it's a culmination of good draft picks. Super Josh in a better scheme. It's threefold, right? It's that that the level you're talking about with Josh that you just told us about. It's hitting on draft picks because he needs some help. And then it's the scheme of it. So we need the help to help him get to that level you're talking about. And then it's the scheme of it. They do need some light layups. They do need to scheme Josh some easy plays in these games, as well as the players, the second piece, and then Super Josh. 
that is the puzzle that needs to be done. And it doesn't come need to come from, um, you know, trading for Justin Jefferson and uh, Devontae Adams and Bijan Robinson. I mean, it comes with, let's get some good offensive linemen in here rounds two to four. Let's maybe get a playmaker, whether it's Bijan Robinson or Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, um, you know, whomever that they deem to be that, that next level piece for the offense and then fill in with some, some really good reserve DBs and maybe find a pass rusher, but that's what they need to do. It's not, it's, they need the pieces and then the coaching needs to scheme these pieces now that super Josh. Now, now we got the pieces they need. Dorsey needs to be better. He needs to be better than he was. He struggled with creativity. Super Josh, you know, took over. And he has the interceptions and he had the problems this year. He had the elbow. Look at what, um, what Purdy just went through. He's out six months. That elbow, I think had a bigger, Josh is playing through the same thing. Uh, And his size and stature is what probably stopped his from uh, being worse, but he's playing through essentially a six month injury. So we need to see that rehab. We need to get him help. We need to use Khalil Shakir. We need that, that second receiver, and we need a running game and filling in with a couple of offensive linemen. You add B. John Robinson, you add in uh, a couple of offensive line pieces, Jarrett Patterson at offensive line. Um, and the next thing you know, you're in good shape and you are in a position to, to you super to your point, super Josh division round next year. Hopefully they're the one seed and don't have to play make KC and uh, since he play this time in the division round and you get the, whatever team that's, you know, whether it's Jacksonville or LA or whatever team that's still there, that's not as good as the other three um, after, after a buy on top of it, that you can game plan against with your healthy roster. So Mike, that's the plan load up offense. So Josh can go super in the division round and then let's scheme these talented players for your super player. So that's the way it works. We had the super player. Um, at times we had some weapons and a few, few things, the three pieces, the three pieces to the puzzle, to the mixture, just wasn't great. Um, and, and you're right. Period. And scheme is huge. And I think Amicus is a little mad at me uh, <laughs> right now based on all caps. You and I both know it's not all Allen. But we're saying in the playoffs, that's when your quarterback needs to be that guy. Mahomes yeah. gets it done in the playoffs. He, for whatever reason, he has he's, he fell short in the Super Bowl. But for the most part, Mahomes yep. gets it done in the playoffs. Burrow doesn't dominate the playoffs, but he finds a way to win in the playoffs. Josh has been impressive with the stats overall. But just so people understand my point a little a little bit more, it's not that the Bills the Bills obviously have to surround Allen with a good team. But in the end, it's the quarterback that you win and lose with. So I I gave the examples of, obviously, Peyton, uh, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger. But you can go back in time and continue that. Jim Kelly went to four Super Bowls in a row with the Bills in the early 90s. John Elway went to, I believe, uh, he went to a bunch of Super Bowls. He won two in a row in the late 90s. I think he lost four before that. Uh, and then you can even add some other quarterbacks. Traditionally, each decade, you have one or two quarterbacks that kind of dominate. So the, the question is, 
does Josh Allen have it in him to take the Bills to that level? I'm not saying he can't do it. You're right. It, it is scheme. And I saw a comment that mentioned, um, do Miami fans blame Dan Marino for not winning a Super Bowl? Well, I'll, I'll throw this at you, Kev. They had Dan Marino and Don Shula, who a lot of people thought was maybe the greatest coach in NFL history before Bill Belichick. And they only went to one Super Bowl with Dan Marino, who's considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That is kind of considered a failure in Miami. Like, no one's going to doubt Marino's greatness. But they didn't win one. So I would look back and be like, yeah, that is a disappointment. You did have – you had Don Shula. How did you not win one? So because Elway and Kelly got in his way plenty of times, and even the Bengals uh, in the 80s got in his way. If we want to change the history of this Bills franchise and win a title, we're going to need Allen to be the guy that rewrites the history book. We're not going to be talking about a random sack or a random tackle for loss. It's going to be Allen won the game. I don't care if the game is 13 to 10. Peyton Manning's second Super Bowl in Denver, he couldn't, his t- second appearance in the Super Bowl in Denver, he couldn't even throw a spiral more than 15 yards down the field. He gets credit for that Super Bowl. He found a way to will them to that game. And when you look at a lot of these franchises, once they lose their stud quarterback, what are they afterwards? Where have the Patriots been since Tom Brady left? They're a shell of themselves. What have the Steelers been uh, in the late years of Ben Roethlisberger and now Kenny Pickett? Definition of mediocrity. Since Peyton Manning left the Broncos, horrible. So the key is your quarterbacks are the guys that are going to win and lose you these games. And when you lose the quarterback, your team falls apart. Why does the team fall apart? Because the quarterback carries the team. Yeah. Bills need Josh Allen to carry this team. Well, there you have it. There you have it. What? What do the Bills do? Uh, go from here. Have Josh Allen give him weapons. We're going to be on this train all offseason. You'll see that uh, all February and March and into the draft season. Get Josh Allen weapons. We said it last year. We're going to double down on it this year. That's going to be the themes of our shows going forward. How are we going to get Josh Allen weapons? How are we going to put that three piece of the the three piece pie that we've been talking about on this show? And we're going to expand on that this entire offseason. So we'll be bringing you that. <clears throat> the first piece of this. The first piece of this all is going to be the senior bowl. The team's there. We have a new video dropping in 30 minutes. Make sure you see the day one recap right here on the cover one uh, podcast network. That's going to be fun to see what the guys uh, were able to drum up and see um, all of the great content that they've been producing right there. So make sure you tune into that just in 30 minutes uh, live on the live on the ground in Mobile, Alabama. As always, we're going to be bringing you get Josh Allen weapons for the majority of the year. Um, and yes, I do have a Josh Allen Funko. Um, both of them, a Stefan Diggs one and a couple of other fun stuff. But um, anyways, we will be back at you at our normal time next Tuesday at 7 p.m. to continue on the future outlook of the Buffalo Bills. And as we get into the offseason, uh, lots to discuss. And we'll see if there's any big news or nuggets this time next week. But stay tuned in 30 minutes for um, for the uh, on-the-ground Senior Bowl uh, footage that the team was able to do. Stay one Senior Bowl recap is going to be coming at you, so everybody make sure to tune in on that. From Kevin and Mike, this is the Going Deep Podcast. We'll catch you next week, 7 o'clock on Tuesdays. We'll catch you guys then. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. 
to me talking about the build, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One network. Slings it deep down Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.